0: welcome you're listening to in the room the podcast our host international moderator and mc veda sanasi creates a meeting point to amplify the valuable voices of our community from prominent icons to everyday people in the room is an opportunity to share their journeys their perspectives and boldest aspirations towards tackling global challenges ultimately contributing to rewriting the definition of leadership for the 21st century. If you are a regular listener, you will have surely noticed that my guests can be described as fairly successful leaders and or entrepreneurs who often talk about their life mission with a lot of confidence and conviction. They are people who seem to have it all figured out. And if asked, they would almost probably say that they have a strong sense of purpose. But what is purpose? I suppose we've all had this teacher or mentor who at some point reminded us of the need to find our purpose and how once we find it, life will presumably become more meaningful. Purpose will provide more clarity on our journey and we are meant to also experience this deep, inner and strong sense of commitment and motivation. Apparently when you have it, you know it and when you don't, you just keep searching for it. I'm always curious to know how different people go about finding their purpose, if it is even something that needs to be found in the first place. To further unpack this question, I had the privilege of sitting down with a very thoughtful, dare I say, philosophical gentleman, Mr. Charles Morito. Charles is the Director of Government Affairs and Public Policy for Sub-Saharan Africa at Google. He's famously known for his mantra, which is, to have a sense of purpose in order to make a difference on a micro and macro level. I asked Charles what he means by that. I also asked him how he found his purpose, and how should one go about it, especially in today's world. In our discussion, through a very heartfelt reflection on his own life, Charles brings some very interesting nuances to this concept of purpose. My name is Veda Sanasi. And welcome to another episode of In The Room, The Podcast. Good morning, Charles. Thank you so much for joining me on, on this episode of The Podcast. Um, and um, it is such a pleasure to have you. You have a wonderful journey. And uh, we wanted to unpack a little bit your journey as you know a leader, as an entrepreneur. But to do that, I wanted to use a, a concept that you're probably very familiar with, which is Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. And, and in The Hero's Journey... You know, he talks about the idea of the hero, any individual, essentially, um, moving from what he calls the ordinary world to the special world. And your journey is hugely fascinating. And I wanted to unpack your journey by sort of leveraging Joseph Campbell's um, model here. So, first of all, why don't we tell us a little bit about Charles when he was growing up? What kind of child was Charles? What were his dreams back then? Thank you, Vida.
1: And it's, it's a pleasure to be here on the room and to participate in this. It's, it's always a pleasure to, and, and an honor to actually be requested to, to do something like this. I really appreciate it. Um, because I certainly do not consider myself a hero. I just consider myself uh, a, a normal Uh, country boy or farm boy who perhaps got lucky in more than one way. Um, So talking about my childhood, I I had a regular childhood in the form of, I grew up in Limuru. Uh, Limuru is north of Nairobi and uh, grew up on a farm uh, with my mom, grandparents. And it was a fantastic journey in the sense that I, I had Really strong upbringing in the form of giving me uh, confidence. If there's one thing that I really appreciate is that sense of confidence. And and one of the things w- when it really struck home was when I was reading Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Outliers, and this notion of people who do extremely well. What is it about them? And Sort of towards the end, he comes to a point where he says it's not really anything special about them. It's just the path that the, the journey takes. And for instance, he talks about a child whose mother used to consistently tell him about the importance of asking questions, even to older people. And I remember the story, I don't know if you've read it, whereby they, they were going to the doctor And the boy was saying to the mom, I have an itch uh, under my armpit. Um, Would you please ask the doctor? And the mom said, no, you will ask the doctor. And the conversation at the doctor's office was really fascinating. And and that reminds me of something that my grandfather used to do, which was um, when he would go to certain meetings uh, with his peers, he would actually carry me along. And he would have me sit alongside him and he would tell me two things. One is pay attention and be attentive to what's being discussed. And secondly, if there's something that you don't understand or that you want to query, ask me so that I can get the attention and then ask within the group. And so from a very young age, I had this sense of confidence to ask and to question and to just really understand what the world around me is offering. And I think that that has served me well until today because it's it's always given me the confidence and also the humility to understand that we're all the same, no matter what position you hold, no matter how old you are, no matter what your socioeconomic status is the ability to talk to everyone and to treat everyone humanely is something that's really close and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. And whether I'm talking to a CEO or a cabinet secretary or a person who's uh, working in my home or is a watchman, I treat them all with the same level of respect because Mm -hmm. I believe that it's a very fine line between having and not. And therefore, it's just this notion of, whether you want to call it lack or blessings or whatever you want to call it, that really separates us. And mm. it's it's very easy to be on one side or the other of that mm. line. So, so that's me inherently. And I think that that's what really drives me every day is this notion of uh, humility. And, and in essence, the purpose um, is anchored on the notion that I need to do my part to help as many people as i can Mm. during my time on earth
0: and you mentioned purpose and i do want to get to purpose in a second but what i'm hearing is that you grew up a very curious child given the license to be curious um and joseph campbell talks about this idea of um at some point the hero and i and i hear you that you know you don't see yourself as a hero but at the end of the day all of us are heroes in our own narratives and you are the hero in your narrative um, and every hero at some point gets this call to adventure or the itch, as we talked about here. Um, at what point did you sort of, you know, hear this call to adventure and did you heed it? And and what was the equivalent of your adventure in your journey? At what point do you feel like, you know what, I really have left the ordinary world to go explore um, a special world out there? I would say to the, to. to points, I think, are probably or maybe
1: three points, um, maybe four, actually, as I think about them. Um, the first one was a point whereby I was keen to actually go to boarding school. So I was a day scholar. I used to go to Nairobi primary and I somehow negotiated with my mom that I wanted to go to boarding school. And I think that that helped build a certain sense of resilience, a certain sense of independence, And I really enjoyed and cherished those couple of years that I was a boarder at Nairobi Primary School. And then I would say the second part of that, which was built on sort of the second phase built upon that boarding school, was this eagerness to go and study outside the country. So in 1995, I left Kenya and went to California, where I did my undergrad and That for me was absolutely fascinating with a lot of ups and many downs and and I think that really helped shape a lot of things that I am today because of the struggles and also the opportunities that I had and 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 that was really fascinating and I think the the third Part of the affair was in 2006. I quit my job in the US, not knowing many people in London, and then moved to London, found a job with one point or purpose that I was keen on, which was to be closer to Kenya and to be closer to my grandmother. And nice. that was really the sort of defining point. And then last but not least is 2013. I- decided to resign my job in the UK and come back home. And that has brought me to this part of my journey whereby I have been back in Kenya for about seven years now. Mm-hmm. And truly one of the best decisions I've made in terms of coming back. And And the, the point being I'm trying as much as I can to impact and influence as many people as I can and create opportunities by leveraging my role and the work that I do on a corporate level um, to help others who may need the support that they require through the tools that we have as a company. And then other things is through mentorship, mm-hmm. etc.
0: You know what's interesting is the the way you talk about sort of the call to adventure is exactly sort of how it happens. You know, it's it's not the idea is not that you know you have a call to adventure, you stepped out of the ordinary world, and then this is it. The the, you know the the hero has achieved. It's actually a cyclical process. I'm curious to know if in your case you see any theme in sort of these sort of you know like these milestones that you've just described. Was there a theme each time that sort of made you take these leaps of faith and, and, and sort of these pivot points in, in, in your life? What, what triggered those moments for you? It goes back to one of the points
1: you made, which is curiosity. Mm. I always have this insatiable sense of curiosity, but also throughout my life, because there are times when I really struggled and I didn't have much and I have lost a lot in my life. That has also given me this confidence that I can always start again. So, what's the worst that can happen? And I think that is such a refreshing and comforting sense to have when you don't hold on to things, especially material things or uh, sort of these societal roles that we tend to put a lot of currency on. And so, for me, going back to the early point, I was talking about it doesn't matter what role you hold. I think that gives me the confidence that if I lost everything I have financially and societal role or stature, if we can call it that, it's okay. And so I'm, I'm always confident enough that I can always start again and build again. And at the end of the day, remember a mentor of mine who used to always tell me that one of the most important things that you carry is your own character. And so as long as I have that character, which no one can take away from me, I can't lose that, then I'm okay. So that I think is the confidence and the comfort perhaps that I usually have that when I want to do something, I don't think too much about what is the risk. I always think about it in the sense that it's OK. I can always build again if what came to us. Mm, mm.
0: So the curiosity is sort of that, that trigger point, then the need to know more, to, to experience more, um, etc. You mentioned mentorship, and mentorship is also a very key aspect of the hero's journey. Tell us a bit more about that for you, and maybe even mention um, a couple of examples of, of mentors who have played a part in, in shaping you. Absolutely. There's several mentors I've
1: had in my life, starting off with my grandfather. I think he's probably one of my earliest mentors in terms of the things that he taught me and the grounding that he gave me. And then my own mother, the couple of things that she's told me, or she always used to tell me is this notion of ambition and and the the quest to to work hard to achieve that ambition. Um, But without ambition, you don't know what you're working towards. So that's always something that I think always opened up my mind to feel that in life. And I've had phenomenal teachers who've been really part of that, whether it's Mrs. Mbogo at Nairobi Primary or Mr. Agak at Nairobi Primary, um, who until today, I think of every time I am brushing my teeth or using the faucet because he always used to tell us you know, reduce the amount of water you're utilizing. You don't need to use too much. All those are phenomenal mentors. Um, but someone else who really is very meaningful and has been always very meaningful to me is a gentleman by the name of Richard King, who used to be the dean of my university. Um, but at some point, he also helped me or guided me to get an internship at his consulting firm, where That really opened up my mind in terms of this notion of working with the international base. Um, His consultancy used to do a lot of work from uh, the Pacific. Um, So Pacific companies, US companies, trying to do business in APAC and vice versa. So he was a conduit between the two. And I spent about nine months there. And post that, really worked closely with him And I remember very clearly, once I got my job at Warner Brothers, an offer at Warner Brothers, they offered me less money than I was making at the time. And they offered me a job which I wasn't that keen on. So it was a training program and they offered me a role in HR. And then they offered me less money than I was making. I wanted to be in business development and strategy. And I was really broke. I had so much debt that, any amount of money that I was offered would be really painful because I needed to settle all these bills. And Richard said something to me, he said, you need to choose what's more important. Is it the role? Is it the company you want to work for? Is it the money? And then make that choice and negotiate. And so eventually what I did was, uh, utilizing his advice, I negotiated with Warner Brothers to start off in HR, but rotate into the business because it was a three um, team rotation through a 12 month cycle. And they were open to that. And and I think that that choice was so meaningful and the money over time came Mm. back. So I was able to recover whatever I lost at that point from a money perspective. Um, But that for me always resonates that having that big, picture of what you want to accomplish is so much more important than getting stuck into the weeds Mm -hmm. so being able to delineate what's more important Mm
0: -hmm. so you've clearly had a number of these sort of adventures and mentors along the journey Um, and if i hear you correctly you said you came back sort of your grand homecoming happened about seven years ago which is almost 20 years after you had left What was different for you? What was different, not just in the world that you stepped back into, but how was Charles different? Because he was gone for almost 20 years.
1: Definitely uh, very different, I think. But I think the core of who I was when I left is still the same until today. So that, I believe, never changes, and I hope that will never change, um, because I think that that's... Is what defines who I am. However, what changed was the curiosity and the level of ambition that I have today. Perhaps if I can put an analogy, is if if I thought I could walk a hundred meters before coming back, I know I can walk a hundred miles. So so that ambition of really expanding what I can accomplish, what I can achieve, and and also the comfort of really disregarding the, I guess, what we may think is impossible and having a healthy disregard for the impossible is something that I now have. And I think that was built on some of the opportunities that I had, whether it's when I worked at Turner Broadcasting and I had the opportunity through a gentleman called Jeff Kapsky, who said to me, look, the Middle East is a blank canvas, go figure out what business you need to run. And again, touching on where I started of saying, I'm a kid who grew up on a farm. The ability of defining and driving the strategy of a Fortune 500 company in a massive region like the Middle East was never in the cards of what I thought I would accomplish. But at the end of the day, I ended up convincing the team in Atlanta at the headquarters that we should actually take Cartoon Network, the flagship Turner Broadcasting Kids channel, from a pay TV channel to become a free-to-air channel in the Middle East and North Africa. And I remember pitching this point, and it, there was sort of pin-drop silence because nobody initially could understand. And I put my neck on the line. I said, in three years, we'll be able to triple our revenues by doing this and looking at it holistically. And then I did some other business structures around that. And what made me proud is that in 18 months, we actually managed to hit that target. And so coming back to Kenya, I had this wealth of experiences that now have given me the confidence that you can accomplish more than you set out to accomplish. And more importantly, that where you start does not determine where you end up. You need to build that journey. You need to build your path. And sometimes it's going to be a path that's beaten. And at other times, you're going to be a trailblazer and you need to forge your own path. And for me, that's what's been exciting about my life and my experience. And I say that with great humility because I reckon that it's not just me who's helped. It's not the hard work that I have put in that's gotten me to where I am. It's a lot of people who've helped to get me to where I am. Or, or I think there's a saying that if you want something badly enough, the, the universe will conspire to make mm-hmm. it happen. So I, I feel like the universe has conspired a lot to get me to where I am. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and, you know, just to sort of close off the hero's journey's loop, um, as Joseph Campbell, puts it that when the hero comes back um, he comes back with the elixir and it seems to me that in your case what you're saying is that when you came back you came back with even more ambitions you came back with resilience and a strong sense of confidence that essentially powered you to go through multiple cycles of your hero journey is that is that fair that's very, very fair. And and it's not
1: done. The path is not done. The journey is not done. There's still a lot more that I want to do. I feel like I, I still have a lot to accomplish. But the, I think the things I want to accomplish and where I am in my life, which gives me great satisfaction, is I feel that it's not about me so much anymore. It's about the legacy that I leave behind. It's about the people that I can impact their lives and help, especially looking at the country we live in, the great socioeconomic divide that we have. And it really makes me very conscious to think about those who are less fortunate than I am today because I have been there. And so the big question I constantly ask myself at this point of my life is what influence can I have whether it's at a policy level or at a real impact level, investing, etc., to really help do more, that, uh, do more and do what's greater than me individually.
0: Excellent. Um, I'd like to shift gears a little bit and talk about something that you are very famously um, associated with. And that's a quote um, in which you say that to have a sense of purpose um, in order to make a difference on a micro or macro level is a mantra to live by. And in this podcast, we are always trying to highlight individuals who are on a life mission of sorts. Um, and arguably, one does um, find a strong you know, life mission when one is driven by a strong sense of purpose. But the thing about purpose is that very often people think purpose is a thing, like a, like a needle in a haystack and you need to find it. And once you find, find it, great, right? And the sooner you find it, the, the better. Is that your understanding of how one finds or seeks purpose? No, it's definitely not a needle in a haystack.
1: It's definitely not something that, in my view, you just find. I think it's evolution. The reason I say that is my mother used to talk to me about this sense of ambition and and finding your North Star. And for context, my mom passed away in 2001. So it's about 20 years ago. And so when she used to tell me this, I was actually much younger. And when she would talk to me about this, I sort of understood what she meant but i also didn't get it to be honest and so over time it was something that sat in the back of my mind as i continued to live my life and try to figure out my path and what i want to do etc but what happened is through that journey of life i have been able to crystallize it a little bit better and through the opportunities that i have had That notion of finding your North Star has become clearer and clearer over time. So it is a journey. It is something that you are continuously finding. And yes, I do have a pretty good idea of what I want to accomplish, but I can guarantee you that that could change over the next 5, 10, 20 years if I'm blessed to live that long. So I, I, I don't think that it's something that you find and then that's it. It's something that you, in my view, it's something that you consistently are evolving and doing over time. And, and if you feel lost, it's okay. I have felt lost many times in my life. But I think what makes, it, makes a difference is this notion that you're working towards something And now, like I was saying, it's when I feel that I'm doing something that's more meaningful or greater than myself. And that is what keeps me moving forward. And as my grandmother used to tell me quite a bit is just keep moving one step in front, one foot in front of the other, and you'll still be making progress and and learning from that experience. So I, I think that, to me, that's what purpose is.
0: Mm-hmm. So, if I hear you correctly, you're saying that it it is evolving. It is not just a thing, and once you found it and done, done and dusted, you know, I live happily ever after. But at the same time, there is something that is consistent throughout that journey. Can you maybe unpack that a little bit? What is that thing that is consistent? What is that thing that tells you? But just take the next step, even though I don't know necessarily where I'm going, but I have sort of this, seems like almost like an inherent motivation to make that next step. So, so, so what is it that keeps you going? What is that consistency then, um, even if the destination is not necessarily always con- concrete and clear? Yeah. Yes.
1: So, so a few things. The, the first one is is this notion of having, it's built on your character and your values. I think that is really important. And knowing what your values are. So one, one point that is really clear to me is this notion that I need to consistently work to assist and help others beyond myself. And that can be in a grand way or it could be in the smallest of actions. And so the ability to have that, no matter what it is, is something that will give you a sense of purpose and a sense of fulfillment, if I can call it that. And when I think about it, you can take something as simple as saying, if I'm looking at something small, that I'm helping someone really small and That is something that's important. Or if you're doing something as big as Nobel worthy type (laughs) accomplishments, it doesn't matter what part of the spectrum it is. As long as you're doing something that's meaningful, or at least for me, as long as I'm doing something that's meaningful, that gives me that sense of, okay, I've accomplished this. I got to keep going. The second thing that's always been important to me is knowing where I come from and having a very clear grounding of who I am as a person. And that is important. The reason that's important is that I try to make sure that I live an honest life that mm, I, I guess makes my parents proud of what I have become. Why do I say that? Because they put so much of themselves in me and I think that it's absolutely critical to do something better with my life. And, and so that always keeps me going. I, I don't know if that answers your question, but in essence, that's what, no matter what their point is, mm-hmm. I'll keep pushing on and pushing on.
0: It, it does, it, but it also opens something else that I think we don't talk enough about. And you said, it's important to know your character and your values and I couldn't agree more. I think every human being, every single day in whatever decision they are making, they are driven by values consciously or unconsciously. I guess the question I have for you is, how how did you um, sort of, you know, come to know and appreciate what your values are? What are your practices to build that sort of level of awareness?
1: Upbringing is a critical part. And The reason I say that is that I think that many times in our lives, you will be faced with many choices, some good, some bad, and you have to make a choice. And I love what you said, that people are driven by their values. And I was going to add or lack thereof. (laughs) So, So I think that for me, it's been the grounding from when I was young. And that anchors me to who I am today. And I I will not change inherently who I am, no matter the situation, because it's not my authentic self. And so that sense of authenticity, which is then predicated on the values that you grew up with, is what anchors me, it's what drives me, it's what makes me make the decisions that I make over time, so that I can be able to do something one way or the other
0: yeah I, I agree and I guess the I, I agree that your upbringing and, and and your your heritage plays a big part, I suppose at the same time coming to a point of being aware of that upbringing and the values that you've been you've been empowered with and and, and endowed with allows you to then you know, regularly keep yourself in check. To your point about those who uh, make decisions driven by their values or the lack thereof, I suppose that the reason, you know, they don't make decisions that are values driven is because there is not sort of that sense of awareness of like, hey, this is who my authentic self is. Essentially, this authenticity is something that I suppose you need to come to a place of realization that this is who I am and I want to hold and I want to honor this uh, identity, this sense of me, um, uh, every single day, right? Versus sort of just operating in some sort of a vacuum and not being aware of yes. what it is that you are um, uh, being driven by.
1: Indeed, absolutely, and, and 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 it's a tough thing to be authentic. It's a tough thing to to anchor yourself in in who you are, because there will be many times in your life whereby you're chased by circumstance, to do something that challenges who you authentically are, whether it's in a boardroom, or whether it's in a meeting, or whether it's in a relationship, or whatever the situation is, whereby that changes, sorry, that challenges your authenticity and who you are at your core. And there are times that I have done things which are not true to who I am, but When I realize that, I try and do what is right. And making mistakes along the way is something that I embrace and that I'm willing to embrace. And the most important thing for me is acknowledging when I'm wrong and acknowledging when I make a mistake and acknowledging when I am not my authentic self so that I can be able to reflect and do better the next time. There's someone who's saying or, or are saying or something which says your, your true self is how you act when there's no one else in the room. And I think that that's such a powerful statement because that that's inherently is where no one is checking you. No one is trying to sort of call you out on anything you are doing that for yourself and that when you find that peace there's nothing greater than that and and that's what i am consistently working towards and trying to find
0: mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely absolutely um I wanted to invoke somebody else who uh, is somebody I have massive respect for, his work and, and, and his research, and I'm talking about Richard Rohr, a very famous Franciscan priest, theologian, writer, podcaster. And he often talks about this idea of falling upwards in the second half of life, this idea that, you know... He says that too often we think that as we grow older, um, you know, we sort of, this is it. You know, you're going downhill and, and it's, it's towards the end. But he says actually that it's in that second part of life that you can even live, um, you know, an, uh, even bigger purpose. And, and I mentioned this because, you know, you know, you just shared your story and you obviously have a wealth of experience and you made this big call, big decision to come back almost 20 years later. And not only that, now your role has recently Um, The scope of your role has recently expanded. Now you're the, um, uh, you know, director for Sub-Saharan Africa um, from your role as the Kenya country manager at Google. Would you agree with that? Would you agree that you are at this sort of second phase of life and, 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 and feeling like you've got an even bigger, higher sense of purpose? Um, Are you, do you feel right now that you are living your purpose and you're able to have the impact that you mentioned you've always thought you want to have? Yes.
1: I, I I think for better or worse, I, I, I feel like I'm I'm at a point in my life where I feel very peaceful. Peaceful on, on a few levels. The first one being what I have accomplished to date. I'm excited about it. I'm I'm thrilled about it. I'm grateful and gracious for it. And and List of all, a a, a really new development in my life whereby I had a young son um, a year ago. And so I think that that makes me feel that I'm actually, for better or worse, living my best life, if I can call it that. But at the same time, I feel uh, an incredible sense of responsibility because of the role that I have at Google, And beyond. And it's something that I take very seriously to say that in the next X amount of time, what am I contributing to society meaningfully? Beyond myself, my life cannot just be about me as an individual because after, if I'm lucky, another 40, 50 years, I'll be gone. And what's important is the lives you've touched, not the money you accumulate, not the wealth you accumulate, not the things you consume. None of that matters because, not to be very spiritual, but at the end of the day, you live with nothing, you live as you can. So for me now, in my life, what motivates me, what drives me, is this notion of saying, every day when I get up, How many lives am I touching? How many lives am I changing? How can I leverage the work that I do to have a greater impact? And not from a charity perspective, because inherently I'm a business person and I'm a very commercially minded person. But going back to Richard King, he had another saying that he used to tell me, which was, Charles, you can do very well by doing good. And so I want to wake up every day to do good. And I know that by doing that,
0: I can still do well. Uh, You know, it's interesting, you mentioned um, feeling at peace, um, and and the sense of peace makes you feel that you're living your best life. And, And I think you'll agree that most people are looking for that sort of inner peace, right? That sweet spot of, you know, um, uh, now I feel that you know I'm living my best life, um, and and I am I can do that in, in you know, and I feel grateful for it, and I feel at peace. And you added that you, you know you've learned that you can get to that by doing good. Is is that all it takes to to just do good, and you find that sense of inner peace? What what led you to sort of that? Realize that. Is, it, is it random? Is it the fact that, you know, you just happen to have a son and you have this job now and this expanded scope now? Um, or is there something else that contributes to somebody finding that sweet spot of like, I feel at peace and therefore I feel like I'm living my best life? So to be clear, it's not the job that gives me peace. It's not my
1: son that gives me peace. It's actually, it's, it's being content with who you are, where you are, what you have, right? Being content with that, no matter what it is. Because if you're not content with who you are, what you have, and where you are in your life, you will never have peace. To me, that's what makes me sad when I look at Politicians who are so corrupt, they have so much, yet they rape and pillage a country, right? And I'm not just talking about Kenya, I'm talking about globally, let's, you know, in the most developed and the most least developed countries. It's this sense of lacking contentment. So for me, peace actually comes with a sense of being content in your life. And you could be content with very little, because at the end of the day, there's in uh, 1992, 1993, when Fresh Prince of Bel-Air had just come out, um, I remember Will Smith did an article back then, and he was bragging to his father how successful he was, and he had six cars. And I remember this verbatim. His father asked him a simple question how many assets do you have and that for me was so powerful because it's this notion of yes you can accumulate so much but what do you utilize and more recently there was a youtube video that i was i was watching about this uh, australian billionaire and he was being interviewed in a show and the host asked him a couple of questions. It was sort of a misleading uh, type of situation where he was trying to sort of do I got you moment. So he said, I can't remember the name of the person, but he said to him, so I understand that you only have three pairs of shoes and yet you're a very wealthy man. And he said, yes, I have one pair of dress shoes, I have one pair of trainers, and I have one pair of casual shoes, like slippers or something, right? And he said, yes, but don't you think that that's being quite stingy for someone who is a billionaire and has your financial status? And he said to the host, but I only need one pair at a time. And then his retort was, oh, but I also hear that you drive a Rolls Royce. And his answer was excellent. He said, yes, but I only have one. <laughs> and, and for <laughs> me, I, I really I love that. Well. Right? I love that because it's this notion of simplicity and simplicity. Simplicity doesn't necessarily mean that you 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 um what's the word you 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 take things away from yourself or, or you 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 don't give yourself what you want, but this notion of actually knowing what's enough, and that for me was a really interesting thing when he said yeah but I only have one Rolls Royce right and and you know that for me was a really interesting mm-hmm, experience
0: mm-hmm. yes. What you said is so powerful that you find that inner peace when you are able to be content with who you are, where you are, and what you have. And I want to ask you this, in today's world, where, I mean, just think about what's going on around us right now, so much uncertainty, there's a global pandemic um seems like everything is going falling apart we've got um uh, you know a rise in the fight for social justice rightly so we've got climate change going on um but also interesting at the same time our youth see role models that sometimes are not necessarily, you know, the best ones, right? We're looking at, uh, you know, <laughs> people, um, you know, you mentioned billionaires and these are one of the few humble ones that we find. But, you know, we, we see this sort of, you know, chase for, for wealth and, and thinking that that's what's going to give us meaning and purpose. Where am I going with this is, do you feel that the world that we live in right now is, is one where we need to be thinking differently about Purpose, or it's, it's still the same thing, but, but uh, maybe there's even more reason for us to be thinking about living a purposeful ni- life now, given sort of the, the whole chaotic world that we're living in. I think we,
1: I don't think much has changed in the sense of trying to find your purpose and living a purposeful life. I think from time immemorial, living a purposeful life is something that we should have had and that we should always have. And the reason I say that is that my grandparents lived a much simpler life to a certain extent, but a much more complex life to a certain extent. And our children in the future will live a life that is simpler in certain things, but will be a lot more complex in others. And and it's this notion of the difference between complex and complicated. And and I think what's happening is that life is becoming so much more complex that there isn't a simple straight answer to many things. So what we need to do is anchor ourselves and our lives on values. And if we can do that basic thing, then the other things will be, and they will come. Some of the simple simple things about life that I value actually goes back to Scripture. Whether you're a Christian, Jewish, Sanskrit, Buddhist, whatever, it goes back to the basic notion of caring for others, doing unto others as you want them to do unto you. It's such a basic, simple concept. When you think about traditional African heritage, it takes a village to raise a child. Right? So the sense of community has always superseded the sense of individualism. And I think that that, to me, going forward, is something that we need to really think more and more about. And and if we can do that, we will be okay. And perhaps now we're at a critical point whereby that needs to be even more in focus than ever before. Because I think as individuals, you can have greater
0: impact for the better or worse so that's the way i think about it i do have to ask you this question you know you said that um the world is becoming increasingly more complex i know it certainly feels like the world is definitely way more complex than it's ever been is that is that actual fact i mean from your vantage point uh from a you know tech giant that has all the data that one can imagine is that is that true is it that the world is really becoming truly more complex nowadays
1: The complexity that I'm talking about is not even from a tech perspective. It's just the the way that life is now intertwined. Think about it this way. This morning, I was talking to a friend of mine who I met 25 years ago. She lives in California. Yet we share so many interesting, uh, so many interests. And we were just chatting this morning about 4 a.m. my time. And that, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, sort of rewind 30 years ago, I would have needed to send a letter. It would have taken six months to get there, or two months, or whenever, I, however long it would have taken. Then it, I, she would need to send back one, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of good that's come with that. But at the same time, there's a lot of challenges Let's take this year, COVID-19, and what happened. Back in the day, things were more isolated. Villages were more isolated. One situation wouldn't affect another as much, right? So there was a certain level of complication, but yet not as much complexity. So, So I think that it's changing, and the access and the way that we're intertwined as a world makes things a bit more complex than they used to be. Now, is that fact? No, that's just my perception of it, right? But I think when I look at different data points of how I live my life, it's a lot more complex than it used to be. Mm -hmm.
0: Charles, we're almost at the end, but before we wrap up this episode of the podcast, I have to ask you this. It is so hard nowadays to feel optimistic about the world and the state of the world and i know that the audience tuning in is is one that is always you know sort of very thoughtful about about the self and about the world and um as you um leave us from this episode would love to hear at least two things that should give us reason to be optimistic um about the future the world and 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 yeah Inspire us.
1: <laughs> now that's a tough one. I, I'm going to perhaps be very boring in terms of what uh, we're going to say. I think, I think I'm going to go back to this notion of being content and, and that should inspire us or give us, give us optimism. And, and what I will say is this, if you're healthy, you should be optimistic. This year, if it's taught us anything, is the appreciation for the simple things and that notion of being content. I started off this year thinking about all the things I wanted to accomplish, most of which involved a lot of travel, a lot of crisscrossing around the world, meeting different people and engaging in different events and uh, different Google offices and making all kinds of plans and etc. Yet it's been thrown upside down, to be honest. However, in my view, it's also been one of the best years that I've had in the sense that I would usually travel two to three weeks a month. And I have been home since the 29th of February, have not left my home. I haven't slept outside my home. And the benefit of that is that I have been able to see my son grow up in a way that I would have never been able to experience So I think what I would say is if you're healthy, if you're alive, there's always tomorrow. And I have this mantra beyond the sense of purpose and not star, which I always say that one, things can always be bad, right? And therefore you should be appreciative of what you have. And two, if they are as bad as they can ever get, then the only way is up. Therefore, again, you have brighter days to look forward to. So for me, those are the things that I think about. It's finding grace in the little things. It's finding peace and contentment in what I have and the things that I'm doing. And most importantly, It's trying to find meaningful relationships whereby you cherish them, you honor them, and you keep them close. I don't know if that answers your question. I don't know (laughs) why you said
0: it would be boring, because I think this is so powerful. And I want to say thank you so much for making time um, uh, to join us on this episode. Um, Thank you for your wisdom. And here's to appreciating the simple things and to living a life of purpose. Thank you so much, Charles. Thank you so much, Veda. It's been a pleasure and an honor to talk to you today. Thank you. you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Charles Morito as much as I did and that you are left with some useful insights on purpose. At the end of the day, whether you are a leader or entrepreneur or not, we all share similar experiences. Except maybe for Albert Camus, we surely all agree that finding and understanding what purpose means to us individually is a worthwhile, if not quintessential, human experience. Thank you for listening and for checking out our other episodes on In The Room, the podcast. Join us next time, In The Room, as we co-create the journey to enable your life's mission.